Well, we're on the downhill slide to Christmas, if you can believe that. And Christmas is inevitably the season of gift giving. I know uh, here it's kind of overwhelming sometimes because of all the, the ministries that come to us saying, hey, we would love help. And churches are a great avenue that these ministries can kind of get that help. We've got you know, people sitting with us every week that we can say, hey, here's some folks that could use some help. Um, uh, most of us, though, if you're thinking about Christmas presents, have gotten, you can think of a few really like highlight moments where you got a gift that just like blew your socks off. You know, just like one that stands out above all the years, above all the Christmases. Maybe it was something you got when you were a kid. Maybe someone bought you a car like as you were an adult. Maybe it was a big deal. Maybe it was something small. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I don't know how, uh, how old I was, but it, it was re-brought to my mind this year because um, if you have Netflix, maybe you've seen that Netflix rebooted She-Ra. And if you that it's a reboot, yeah, it's a reboot. It was on when I was a kid, um, which I watched the new one. It's good. I watched the old one. It is not as good as I recall. It was funny. Um, but I was so into He-Man and She-Ra. If you remember He-Man, She-Ra was a spinoff of He-Man, and uh, originally speaking. And I just, I mean, I loved it. That was probably the first, like, thing I was into as a kid. And my parents, you know... Thank goodness they didn't have phones back then to record all that stuff because they talked about how I'd just like sit in my playpen, you know, when you could, you know, baby cages, and you could put, I'd have a little like plastic sword down the back of my footy pajamas, and I'd pull it out and pretend I was He-Man in my little confined uh, little baby cage there. And I, I, I remember one year, what I wanted for Christmas more than anything else was He-Man's Castle Grayskull playset. This guy right here. <laughs> Look at that guy. That's, I mean, that's awesome. Okay, I had a lot of the toys. I had the He-Man figure. I had his Battle Cat. I remember a lot of the names, unfortunately, which bums me out. It's like, where? How does that get stuck in my brain? And yet I meet somebody and forget their names two seconds after they've told me, you know. But He-Man, it's in there forever, apparently. And so I wanted this so bad, but apparently it was a big deal. Apparently I was not the only child who wanted that this year, and my mom was having a hard time finding Castle Grayskull. And uh, since becoming a parent. I have gotten a greater appreciation for this story that I'm telling you because I understand the desperation that you can feel as a parent when you're Christmas shopping for that thing that your kid wants above all else and you're having trouble finding it because every other kid in the world wants one as well. And my mom, bless her heart, couldn't find a Castle Gray skull. So when I woke up on Christmas morning, this was what was sitting out in front of my Christmas tree from Santa. That's, that is Shira's Crystal Castle. Not quite the Castle Grayskull that I was wanting, but lucky for my mom, I was so into He-Man, I didn't care. I was just glad to have a playset. I was like, Shears Castle, that's so cool. I didn't even know they had that until she opened it up for me, but that's what I got, the old Crystal Castle from She-Ra. And here's the thing about gifts you've, you've gotten in your life. Most of the time someone has given you a gift, it has been for you. They gave you a gift for your enjoyment, for your happiness. If it was something you needed, then for your use. It was given to you for you, for your benefit. But today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about gifts that were given, for, given to you, many of you, but they're not for you. And that's kind of confusing and that seems kind of weird. Why would anybody give me a gift that's not necessarily for me? Well, we're in the fourth part of this teaching series called Someone is Missing. And that someone that we're talking about is the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, oftentimes, at least in our little corner of the Christian world, the Holy Spirit kind of gets left off to the side. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. We don't understand the Holy Spirit a lot, which is probably why we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. And we are trying to reintroduce, rebring in the Holy Spirit back into not just our individual lives as Christians, but how we live together, how we do this thing called the church. And um, if you've missed any of the messages in this series, I'll just let you know, it would be really helpful for you to go back and kind of watch some of these. Let me get past that crystal castle. Um, you can always go watch our messages on uh, right here, loamecc.com slash messages. Um, they're all there. But the thing that, that is important to know is that as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, since it is such a difficult topic, it helps to have all the pieces. And today is just one little piece of the puzzle of, of who the Holy Spirit is and how he plays a part in what we do here as a church. And one of the things that we've kind of honed in on when we talk about what does the Holy Spirit do for us, what does he give to us? And the word that we've kind of centered this series around is power. The Holy Spirit gives Christians power. And we said that there's kind of like three different ways that he has promised to give us power. Number one is power for us. That's what we talked about last week through a process we call sanctification. This is when the Holy Spirit helps us to be a better version of us. A version of us that is more able to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We've all had time in our life where we wanted to do better and failed to do better. The Holy Spirit gives us power to actually do better. To be a better person. To be the best version of us. Um... Number two, the Holy Spirit gives us power for the church, power to make a difference in this church body that we're in right now. Not just in the service, but among this group of people that are here today. And then finally, he gives us power for the world. Now today we're going to be focusing on the second one of those. Uh, we're going in order here. Uh, he gives us power for the church. The Holy Spirit gives each of us who are Christians the power that, that we can use for the good and the health of the church body. And these are those things that we call spiritual gifts. And maybe you've heard a spiritual gift talked about and you weren't quite sure what they were. Um, I, that's why I put that little list in the uh, bulletin for you. I dropped mine on my way up. Whoops. It's front and back. There should be about 22 of these things. We'll talk about them in just a second. Okay? And um, just to be clear, there are, there's another list in Scripture called Spiritual fruit, this is a different thing, okay? Spiritual fruit are natural things that should come out of a life that is being lived by the Spirit. So last week when we talked about the Holy Spirit changing you to be more like Jesus, as the Holy Spirit works and changes you, your life, like a, like a, an app, a healthy apple tree naturally produces apples, a life lived by the Spirit should naturally produce those fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Spiritual gifts are not universal in that way. Not everyone has all of the spiritual gifts. I do believe that every Christian has at least one, but not everyone gets all of them. In fact, I don't think anybody gets all of them because that's just unfair. Like, if you've ever noticed that person that, like, seems to be overly talented, my sister-in-law can do anything. And I, I mean, I, I haven't found that thing that she's not good at yet, and it's, it's a little frustrating. It's like, come on, you're making me sick here. Like, it's just be bad at something so the rest of us can feel better about ourselves at some point, please. And so, um, but the spiritual gifts are unique gifts to you. Whatever, if you're a Christian, you have spiritual gifts, or at least a gift, and the Holy Spirit gave that to you 
for a purpose, for a reason, specific for your life. So here's a quick definition of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are skills and abilities given to Christians by the Holy Spirit for the good of the church. That last little bit there is what we often miss when we talk about things like spiritual gifts. Because we like to talk about us. We like to focus on ourselves. That's just kind of a natural human thing. But we cannot miss. In fact, if you miss that last part, you're going to miss a huge part of why you have your gifts in the first place. Now, um, let's talk about this list here. Um, it's, I'll tell you a little bit about what the, uh, the, how we find the spiritual gifts in the New Testament. We don't find any list that contains all of these things. It's, there's, there's actually four places where spiritual gifts are, seem, are kind of mentioned, with some of them list, listed out. But there isn't any list that has all of these things in it. So we kind of look at these four lists and put them together, and here's what you get. And I think there's 22-ish of them. There is one of them that is not a, like clearly mentioned in Scripture, but I think you can make a case that it's a spiritual gift, and that's prayer. It's about almost not quite halfway down on the backside of this sheet here. Um, the four places where we learn about spiritual gifts or get them listed out, Romans 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. It's interesting that they're both chapters, chapter 12s or chapter 4s. Um, but again, there's 20 of these. There's administration, apostleship, craftsmanship, discernment, encouragement. In the verse we're going to read in a minute, my translation, the one that we use here at, at Loyalty Christian Church, it says exhortation. That's encouragement. Um, whoop, I jumped to uh, evangelism, faith, generosity, healing, servanthood, hospitality, knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, prayer, prophecy, shepherding, teaching, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, and wisdom. That, those are all of the gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament. Um, and I could go into every single one of them in depth, but we would be here for the rest of the day. And so that's why I put the handout, look at them at your own leisure, um, and see if you think those might, any of those might be something that you feel the Spirit has uh, given you. Um, I do want to point out that some of the more miraculous ones, like here's two good examples, speaking in tongues and interpreting in tongues. Some Christians believe that certain gifts, certain spiritual gifts, some of the more miraculous ones, kind of ceased to exist. They, they stopped showing up in the lives of Christians about the time either the apostles died, the original apostles who were there to get the church started, or about the time the New Testament was fully written. So they believe the more miraculous, more sensational might be a word, more uh, wow kind of gifts were, were, were kind of fading out about the time the New Testament came into existence. Um, there's other Christians who believe every gift is still roaring away today, full in effect, and uh, that's an argument that I don't really have a whole lot of time to go into today, but let, here, I'll give you my take on it. My take is, as I look around at just kind of the church all over, it does seem that some of the gifts don't show up like they did in the New Testament. But God is God, creator of the universe, which means all the laws of nature are at his disposal to fiddle with and alter as he sees fit. Meaning that if God wants to give one of you the divine ability to heal people, and he thinks that will be for the good and the health of this church, he can do 
whatever he wants. So as I observe, it does seem that some of them show up a little bit less or a lot less, depending on who you ask. But God is God and he can do what he wants. So I don't ever want to say that, you know, you can't have this or that anymore because uh, God can do what he wants. Um, so let's go to one of these quick verses, uh, little sections that talks about uh, the gifts. We're going to go to Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 3 through 8. This kind of gives us a good idea of just kind of how the gifts were meant to work. And this is the Apostle Paul. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Meaning, don't think that you're everything, okay? Don't think that you're that person that has every possible gift and the church depends on you for everything. And if you left, the church would be done. That if it weren't for you, the church just couldn't do its thing anymore, okay? Um, he says, so don't think of that. Because for as in one body, human body, we have many members or organs, parts, whatever word you want to use. So just as the human body has all these parts, fingers, toes, hearts, lungs, gallbladder, intestines, bones, muscle, ligaments, just as the body has all these parts and the members do not all have the same function, so all my organs kind of do their own specialized thing, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, meaning your gifts are not my gifts, my gifts are not your gifts. The Holy Spirit looked at your life and decided how he would use you in the church and gave you gifts according to his will, his grace. He says, so according to the grace given to us, let us use those gifts. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation or encouragement, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So the reason the Apostle Paul gives us this, uh, this body picture, this body analogy, is to make sure we don't focus on ourselves. Again, it's really easy to do that. When you wake up in the morning, your first thought is probably of yourself. Some of you, it's, oh, my back. Some of it's, oh, those muscles are tight today. Some of it's like, is that the bed creaking or me? You know, you don't, so you, you're, you think of you. Whatever reason you're thinking of you, if it's, oh, no, all the things I got to do today flood into your mind, most often the natural first thought in your day is of yourself. And the same is true of me as well. It's just natural for us to think me first. And what's really destructive is when we bring that me-first mentality into this, into the church. And yet, that's incredibly common. Most of us probably did that at one point, started there. Hopefully, many of us have moved past it. But we come into church and we think, how did I like this church? How do I like being here? What did I get out of the service? How do I like the music? Does the programming of this church meet my needs? But what this way of thinking does is it creates this separation between you and the rest of the church. There's you coming in here to receive, and there's the rest of the church, the people in the church, the people volunteering, the leaders, whoever's getting up teaching that particular day, who's ever leading music. Everything else about the church is to give to you, and you are on the receiving end. It becomes like going to the movies. Everybody there, from the person selling you a ticket, tearing your ticket, 
giving you popcorn, coming in and with that little weird red flashlight and saying, hey, turn your phone off. Whoever, everybody there is kind of there to give you this wonderful movie experience. You, you don't walk into the movie theater thinking, I'm a part of the Carousel's 12 family. You don't think that. You come into church, though, and that's what you should think. I am a part of this family. I'm not different from everybody. I'm not separated from everybody. I, you're here to be a part of this group. And so when we have this mindset of what am I getting out of the church, it separates you from everybody else. It makes you not a part of this body, at least in your mindset. And you are not here to do your own thing. We are here to participate together in the mission of God. We are here to participate, to serve together, to care for one another, for the glory of our God. And so you were meant to be a part of this church. Maybe not this church, but a church. Maybe you're visiting from out of town. Sorry, I'm not saying you got to move here and join us. Okay, if you got a church somewhere, go be a part of that church. But, but you were meant to be a part of a church family, a body. And you weren't supposed to think of yourself as like, one of those, you know, you ever get something from like a Walmart or Ikea piece of furniture and you put it all together and you got like 18 screws left over and some nuts and washers and a couple of those little mini dowel rod things and you're like, oh, I guess I didn't need these? Um, you're not that kind of part. You're not a spare part that could be thrown away and everything else just carry on the, as best it could. We were meant to see ourselves as a vital part of this body. When the Apostle Paul uses that, hey, just like the human body has all these organs, 2,000 years ago, he didn't know there was such a thing as an appendix. So in Paul's mind, when he says, just like the body has all these parts, he's thinking, and all those parts have a purpose. All those parts have a place. He didn't know there were parts that a doctor could go inside, cut out, throw away, and our body would just kind of carry on as usual. He didn't know that that was possible 2,000 years ago. So when he says, every body has, is made of a parts, and so is the church, he's thinking every part has a purpose. And you have a gift that you can serve with here that you can use to bless the church. And we've got to see that we are undeniably connected to one another. And when you come to church and think, I don't, I, I'm different than everything else. I'm separated. This church exists for me, for my good, for my entertainment, for my enjoyment, only for my spiritual good. You are, you are cutting yourself off from the rest of this body that you're supposed to be connected to. And like any body... The organs help each other. They serve each other. Um, it's, it's evident when you have a body part stop working. Some of you have had uh, heart issues, heart beating not in a regular fashion, and it made it feel like as if you couldn't breathe. And it's like, how come my heart makes my lungs feel like I can't breathe? It's because everything's connected. And, and you need every body part to lift the full weight of their duty for the rest of the body to thrive. That's the way the church was meant to be. Whatever gifts you have, you were meant to use them to the fullest extent of your ability, and that blesses the rest of the church body because you are giving selflessly of your gifts to the church. And so if you're a Christian, if you have a, you have a spiritual gift, and you were not meant to use it for yourself, for your good, for your glory, for your own attention, whatever it is, you were meant to offer that gift back up as a sacrifice, as an offering to the rest of of the church. And so I want to give you three quick ways. These aren't quick, but I will give them to you quickly. Three ways to make the most of the spiritual gifts that God has given you. Okay? Step one, you got to know your gifts. It's amazing how many Christians have no idea what their gifts are. Um, I don't know how they figured this stuff out, 
in ancient times before somebody decided to put together a, a spiritual gift test. Um, there's tons of spiritual gift tests, though, that you can get now that kind of help clear the road for you to figure out what gifts you have been given. Um, there's one that we've been offering for the last number of weeks on your Connect card, if you still have it, or if you would like to take that spiritual gift test. All you got to do is put down on your uh, Connect card your name, an email address, and check the little box on the right side that says that you want to take the spiritual gift test, and you'll get an email this week, and you take it, and it can help you decide what gifts God has given you, help you figure that out. Um, I've taken several of these, and when you go to Bible college, they're like, have you taken a spiritual gift test? No. Well, you've got to take one. You're in Bible college now. You've got to know what you're good at. And um, so I've taken several of these. I like the one that we use the best because it's incredibly thorough. Um, and uh, just to kind of give you an, an idea here of the gifts that, like, what's going to show up on here. For me, I got the gifts uh, in my top little list there of what was most likely my spiritual gifts. I got uh, discernment, knowledge, and teaching. You can read about what those ho hopefully are and how they produce themselves maybe in my life. But those were the three that showed up to me. Now, by the time I took the test, I had a good idea that teaching was kind of my thing, that God had, had gifted me to use that particular gift. In fact, the way that I kind of got called out to that gift was not by taking a spiritual gift test. It was because somebody, when I first became a Christian, said, you need to teach. I have no idea, no idea what made them say that, think that. At the time, I did not see it, thought it was a terrible idea, did, wanted to do anything else in the church. I'll scrub toilets. Don't make me get up and talk to people. I will do absolutely anything. Just don't make me. But they were convinced that that's one of the places that God had gifted me in some way, shape, or form. And it took me a good long while to see that for myself. But you've got to understand, as a Christian, what your gifts are. You got to know what work you are called to do. If you don't know your gifts, you run the risk of serving in a place that's not your place. I mean, I've uh, I've I've seen Christians who were confident that they had a gift that they did not have. I've seen people that were, really thought they had wisdom, and they did not have wisdom. And that can be dangerous when you think you have a gift that you do not have. And so it's good to find some sort of validation through maybe taking one of those spiritual gifts tests. It adds a lot of clarity to this process. And when you are serving in an area that God has gifted you, it is amazing to watch God be effective through you. It is amazing to watch you, little old you, because you know the good and the bad of you. Like, you know, you know, all the places you've failed at life, all the people you've hurt, all the bad things you've ever done, and you think, get in this moment where God is using you, you think, wow, God is using me right now, and I don't deserve to be used. I, I know that this has to be God because I've tried other things in my life, and I've tanked a lot of them, and here is God using me to make an eternal difference in the good of his people. It's an awe-inspiring, humbling thing, but it produces an immense amount of joy and gratitude for your heavenly Father. So you got to know your gifts. Number two, there needs to be a certain level of commitment. Commitment to actually use the gifts God has given you. It, it's frustrating in, in churches to see so many Christians just think, no, I'm, this is, I'm not supposed to serve, or at least I'm not willing to serve and sit on the sidelines. That's like having a body with failing organs. Okay? And everything starts to suffer. 
I mean, if you know somebody who's had kidney failure, liver damage or something, everything else starts to get weighed down. The entire body suffers because of those things. And Paul used that analogy for a reason, to help us understand how connected we are to one another. And it's not great for a lot of Christians, especially in one body of the church, to think, I'm not going to serve. Maybe I have gifts, maybe I don't. No thanks, I'm not going to get involved. And maybe it's because you think committing to serve means you serve a life sentence. There's a lot of churches notorious for that. Oh, you've been a Sunday school teacher. Enjoy the next 60 years teaching Sunday school, you know. Oh, you're going you're gonna to sing worship one Sunday morning. You're going to do it for 30 years now, too. Good luck with that, you know. I lo- hey, Larry, you're the best story of that. I'm sorry. It happened here. Larry got wrangled into singing worship for every Sunday forever. And you said you tried to show up late to hopefully they'd replace you, right? Maybe once. He's not going to be too proud. He's not, but it's, it's such indicative of what churches do, though. And I want to tell you, that's not what this is. And, but that's one reason why we steer clear. Um, it's not a commitment to serve until you just burn out and have nothing left. It's not a commitment to giving everything so that your family suffers because, you know, and your kids get mad at the church because you're giving so much to the church you get nothing left for them. It's not that kind of a thing. It's just a commitment to say, God has gifted me, and I want to use my gifts in a healthy way, in a healthy rhythm, for the good of the church. Because here's the thing. If you are serving in a way that destroys you, that's not healthy for the church. It's not healthy for the body to destroy one organ. That's dumb. We're not going to do that to you. We don't want that to happen to you. And if it's happened to you before, I'm so sorry. That should not be the way churches operate. But we have to acknowledge this gift is not meant to just sit and stagnate and never see action. These gifts were meant to be used for the good of the church and everyone in the church. And number three, and this one is easily missed because you think, I have a gift. I mean, just that sentence itself sounds a little arrogant, right? I have a gift. Well, you also have to grow in wisdom of how to best use that gift. There needs to be a certain sense of maturity that comes to you so that you know how to use your gift well. Um, Like I said, my gifts that showed up were discernment, knowledge, and teaching. Someone encouraged me to start teaching. I was not the greatest at using my gift when I started. I still feel guilty I mean, it, maybe embarrassment. Maybe it's more embarrassment than guilt that I feel when I think about those first sermons preached. Uh, one was at youth group, and it was horrifying when I was still a, a student that came to the youth group. Um, then I started preaching at a little country church, and you think I talk fast now. <laughs> you take me back to when I was nervous. I got, I got a 20-minute sermon in 12 minutes flat. It was almost impressive that I could say so many things, you know, and I could get it all out because all I wanted to do was get off the stage. I just, I I didn't want to be there, and and it took a while for me to hone that. Um, I also had to learn what was appropriate to say in church and what was not. I did not grow up in church getting flicked in the ear by a mom every time I said something dumb, you know, when my kids make jokes and references, you know, we're back there, come on, stop, not in church. Because it's fine everywhere else, apparently. I don't know. It's not a great thing that we do sometimes. We create that different. But anyway, and so I got up and I'd tell stories in church, and my parents came to those first few, you know, and they were like, mm, no, that's, we should have taught him something, but not to say stuff like that. <laughs> um, um, sometimes I said things that were true, but in ways that were incredibly harsh and off putting and offensive. And it took time. For me, not only to grow in how to use my gift, but just maturity as a person, spiritual maturity. It, it took me time to grow in my understanding of the Bible and what the story of Scripture meant. 
so that I could use that gift, hone it, and, and, and do it well. And I, I'm still working to hone this gift that God has given me. But again, it is incredibly humbling to see God use you. It is incredibly encouraging when to see God use you. You know, it, it, I don't know how to respond sometimes when after church someone comes up and says good sermon, which I've learned is just, I don't know what to say to you on my way out the door, so I'm going to say good sermon. Um, but it implies that I did something, and I don't think that's what this is. I think that when I get up, it is the Holy Spirit who has worked in the preparation that has been preparing me and gifting me and leading me so that when I can get up and talk, it's God's power through me, not some awesome thing that I just have that deserves to be complimented on and I, I should get a handshake and a high five for. This is something that I think God has done through me and God can do it through you, maybe in this way, maybe in some other way, but it's so awe-inspiring. And after I, you know, when I hear someone, you know, hear people that have experienced something positive out of a message, I just think that's Holy Spirit work, not Anthony Bliss work. That's God either opening my mouth so I'm saying something in a certain way or opening your ears so that you are hearing a certain thing. That's not me. And sometimes I'll sit here and I'll, I'll be sitting before a ser uh, the sermon time in a service thinking, boy, this one's rough. This one's going to be a rough one today. I feel bad for these poor people. And that's the one that people are like, man, God had you speaking to me today. I don't, and then there's times where I'm like, this one's going to kill today. This is going to be awesome. And then it's like, boy, nope. Nope, that didn't, have, that didn't hit anybody today is how it feels like. And so it's almost like the more I think, yay me, the Holy Spirit's like, all right, we'll just see what you got. We'll just, I'll just take a step back and see how good Anthony Bliss does on his own. And it's not, it's not great, okay? But, but when God shows up, it's something that I can tell after all these years of doing. And I can, I can see it, and I can sense it, and I can feel it. And I know that my life is not being wasted. And that's an amazing feeling to have. And as Christians, you should have that too. Whether God has given you one gift to use or five, he has given you a purpose with your life. He has given you a way to make a meaningful difference in not just the world, but in your own little corner of this world. He has united you with a group of other people who are trying to do the same thing, use their gifts to the best of their ability. He's given us a, a group of people who have different gifts but the same mission so that we can all work together, so that you aren't, you know, it's not, we're not 800 people all doing the same thing. We've got our own little place, uh, our own little responsibility to carry as we go forward. And he wants to lead some of you to help people that no one else wants to help with a gift of service. He wants to give some of you an eye to see hurts that the rest of us just tend to overlook with the gift of mercy. Others of you, you have a heart to hear people or to, to help people hear about Jesus, to help unsaved people become saved people. And you have a gift and a knack to, say the, to present the gospel in a way that makes sense to people who haven't heard it before. And that's a gift of evangelism. And God wants to help you make a powerful difference with that gift. So I don't know what gift you have, but I know what gifts exist here. And if you don't know what your gift is, if you don't know what your gifts are, Read the list. See what you got. Pray about it. Think about it. Ask somebody close to you. Do you think any of these might be me? Don't, don't depend on yourself to think. Don't try to figure it out yourself. That's a bad idea. 
We all, that's why that verse said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, because that's what we often do. You know, if I were deciding what I was good at, I was like, I think I'm good about 20 out of 22 of these things. This is my list, you know, that's what I'll think. So ask somebody, or take a spiritual gift inventory. It takes some time, but it's incredibly clarifying. It's helpful for us to do that. So you've got to know your gifts. You gotta, you've been given them, you've got to know what they are. And if you have gifts, and you know what they are, have you committed to using them for the good of the church body? Have you started to think that you have a responsibility in this place to help in a way that maybe no one else in this building is gifted to help? And once you know that, and once you're committed, how are you working to hone those gifts so that you can use them in the most effective and powerful way for the work of God? Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for the fact that you give us gifts. Most of us don't deserve a gift like this. Most of us don't deserve to be used for your glory and for the good of others. And yet you've called us to, to have a front row seat to the work you're doing here. You've called us to be the people who experience your power working through us. And it's amazing to see how you work in our lives. And I pray that you would give us an appreciation for seeing the gifts around us. Not the ones that you've given to us, but the ones that exist in the lives of other people. So that we can say, man, God has given you a gift of encouragement. Or I think God has given you the ability to share the gospel with people who don't, who don't know it and to be pretty successful at that. Or maybe that you have given us a gift of, of craftsmanship, a gift of discernment. Maybe some of us in this room have just the rock-solid gift of faith where we find it easier to trust you than the rest of us do. And those people with that gift of faith can kind of serve as that, that rock that we can tie ourselves to when the rest of us are going through a storm. They can be someone who can encourage us in our faith when we don't have maybe the level of trust that, that you've given to them. Father, I pray that we would be people who understand how connected we are to one another, that we haven't just been given a, a service to attend, but we've given a people with which to belong and a mission in which to participate. So thank you so, so much for your Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you for the Holy Spirit coming inside of us and giving us power, not just for ourselves, not just so our lives will get better from the inside out, but so that we can actually live a life of divine power, divine purpose in this church or in the church that we're a part of. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for giving us these amazing spiritual gifts. May we not neglect them. May we not ignore them, but may we identify them. May we commit to use them. And may we devote ourselves to growing in wisdom so that we can use them to the best of our ability. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.